five, four, three, two, one. Punkadelic Podcast is a podcast about the things that make life worth living. It's your host, Georgia O'Reefe, Ranthony Bourdain, Shame Gillis, Volodymyr Zelensky. Let's get punkadelic, people. All right, here's a tweet for you. Fact. 80% of lightning strike victims are male. But please, do go on about your reproductive rights. I cocked that up. That would have been funnier if I hadn't cocked that up. But anyway, welcome to the show. That sets the tone. That's what we're going to be working with. You know, we're never working with much on here, and that's what it is. Dude, does anybody else out there remember back when, way back when, this podcast used to have a segment called Is Prince Philip Dead Yet? And it was just a whole lot of me shouting is Prince Philip dead yet over and over and then dramatically announcing that no, he was not dead yet. But I swear to God, this is true now if you're only, if you've only started listening to the show. I only got like, I think two weeks crack maximum out of that. That's back when the podcast was coming out solidly every single week too. And the fucker kicked the bucket ruined our crack you can't fucking rely on them for anything except to fucking ruin everything and then check this out for a follow-up if you enjoyed our episode with speedy fagan you're a dead man if you recall a, a story we told in that episode about the murder forest in the heart of the murder factory in the heart of the Ibadan forest. Here's a follow-up story from The Guardian today, uh, 18th of August. Police in Nigeria find 20 mummified bodies in suspected ritual shrine. Three men arrested after bodies, including those of children, discovered during raid of building in Benin City. But wait to hear the details, folks. This is outrageous. Police in Nigeria have discovered 20 mummified bodies, including those of children in a building in Benin City, in a case that shocked the country. Well, I don't know if shocked is definitely the right word there, because remember in the article we read, it was like, uh, you know, ritual murder is not uncommon in the region. It's like, excuse me? Um, three suspects were arrested during the raid in southern Nigeria. Jennifer Iwegbu, a police spokesperson, said in a statement late Wednesday. Sorry, Jennifer, I'm sure I butchered that. Armed police officers raided the building in Benin, the capital city of Edo State, acting on intelligence that it was a suspected ritual shrine, she said. Here we go, here's where it gets juicy. Fifteen mummified male corpses, three mummified female corpses, and two mummified children corpses were discovered at the scene, just three miles from the city centre. But the children hadn't decided on their gender yet. No, I'm just kidding, that's just me. Uh, Nigeria's security forces have in the past uncovered such shrines used by ritualists and kidnappers, but the latest discovery is one of the most shocking in recent years. Like, in recent years, that's the standard this country's operating on, that this is one of the most shocking just in recent years. So, like, there's been tons of horrible shit in their history, and ritual murder. Anyway, it's just bonkers, the casualness of this, like, news article trying to make this sound matter-of-fact. Mummified, like. Mummified. What does that even mean? Covered in bandages and brain pulled out through the nose with a hook. 
Many residents arrived at the building expressing horror over what seemed to have been an operation hidden away from the eyes of even nearby neighbours. It's not immediately clear how long the bodies had been in the building and the suspects were being interrogated, the police said. All three were young men and a police medical team was part of the investigation. An intensive effort is ongoing to arrest the other fleeing suspects, she added. So what would even be the crack there, do you think? Like organ fucking... What's that called? Trafficking? Human organ trafficking? Anyway, speaking of human organ trafficking, there's never been more ways for you to get in touch with Punkadelic Podcast. Right in every episode bio, there's a link where you can send voice messages to the show, and I swear one of these days I'm going to work out how to include those in the show. Get in touch, let us know how you feel about the show, what's going on, what you think about the ritual murders that just seem to be commonplace in Nigeria and... um other parts of the world i guess we've discovered on here so yeah just look us up basically if you want to get in touch with the show look us up on linktree google linktree punkadelic podcast you'll find it in there in the linktree you'll find every place you can listen to punkadelic podcast which now includes apple music Castbox, stitcher pocket casts it's spotify obviously it's all over the show it's everywhere you get podcasts now you'll also see the reddit for the show on there you'll also see the letterbox where you see what movies i've been watching and reviewing um short reviews only like two lines i don't really get into it like that's what the podcast is for you know and you'll also see uh, that you can buy the show a beer there and we're using all proceeds that we can raise through that to get a second microphone for the show which would also serve as a primary microphone uh in case this one kicks the bucket so um it's seen better days you know so yeah there's no obligation to get in touch with the show at all we're also on instagram don't forget um just to let you know that you can if you want to if you're a fan but really the best thing that you can do for us right now if you listen to and enjoy the show is just get the word out there tell one other person about the show let someone else know about something funny that you've enjoyed on the show recently that's it and also if you happen to be on spotify or apple you know subscribe to it and if you can rate it five stars that'd be top notch also but no obligation to do any of that there Please Please just keep listening and watching the listens climb steadily, slowly but steadily. So thanks very much to everyone that does tune in every week. So uh, that's it. Uh, Share this shit, basically, and uh, what is coming up tonight. So um, coming up tonight, we are going to round up all of my thoughts about MMA for the year so far. Um, I say MMA, we're talking about UFC, really, because fuck all that's going on, let's be honest. So we're just going to knock that all out in one go. There's still some more crack to get into before that, including a potential serial killer on the loose in Vancouver, down near where I used to buy my weed. Absolutely out of control. We will get to it. And then there is a blockbuster Walloper watch. So for everyone that's going to be turned off by the UFC MMA talk, don't worry, that section's going to end and then we're going to just do the fucking, the silly stuff. So we're going to do the laughing, the pointing the fingers. There's tons to get through tonight. There's just, we're going to have to fly through it because we can't spend too much time on any single one of them. So that's it. We just got to get on through it. That's what's coming up. Uh, been, uh, there's been some good episodes of the show recently, I thought. Um, Speedy Fagan, You're a Dead Man, my favourite news article of all time, is doing pretty good numbers it's i think our eighth rated episode of all time now so four or five more listens and that will shoot up another couple of places so very interesting very interested to see if that could get to the top five uh most listened episodes so if you're thinking about sharing one that might be a good one because it did get a lot of listens fast also my deep dive of mastodon's album uh the massive review episode that i did put up in march and uh, there's also some great 
episodes coming up. You know, I'm finally starting to wrap my head around Christopher Nolan's Tenet. So I've managed to see it a couple more times and I'm starting to understand what's going on here. So we're going to do a deep dive on that. We've got a bunch of articles to read out and sort of try and get our head around the philosophy, etc. of that movie. And we also want to do a music roundup quickly before September, um, before a whole bunch of rock and heavy metal albums come out so we can get more get out ahead of what's going to happen and then that also haven't done that and put our thoughts on tape that'll hopefully set us up then at the end of the year we'll already have a ready set set of notes to do our end of year music review so there's been a lot of music but i feel like there's just about to be a glut that comes out because we're going to get slipknot we're going to get megadeth we're going to get ozzy osbourne we're going to get a bunch of whole bunch of stuff now in september muse revocation like september is a big month for it so um i want to get out ahead of that and then if any of them are really, really knockout, you know, you'll get a deep dive full episode review of that. So stick around if you're into that sort of thing. But I wanted to do, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to do uh, for, a while, for a quick while here, because it was very popular, I want to get back into speedy, the story of Speedy Fagan. Uh, speedy Redux, I'm calling this. So I just like, I'm just looking at a couple of other articles. <clears throat> you know, um, there's not, any real other new information in here i don't think but it's just interesting to hear from different perspective different perspectives the story we heard last week so this is a story from uh the independent the irish independent uh gambler's luck finally runs out brandon speedy fagan was an enigma he was one of the drugs barons who made a packet out of poisoning kids on both sides of the border but he enjoyed the high life champagne and designer clothes were his hallmark and when he gambled as he was alleged to have been doing yesterday before he was gunned down he gambled big time but he ran such a high profile he also gambled with his life and yesterday he paid the ultimate price in a newry pub although only 24 which is the wildest part of this story just to jump in here for one second like the man like he's a kid like and they're like drugs baron drugs kingpin drugs mastermind drugs einstein like they can't help themselves Although only 24, he started his drugs career as a godfather, learning from the best or worst in the business. He was a top lieutenant to Newry millionaire Paddy Farrell, who ran a lucrative car sales business as a front for laundering drugs money. And when Farrell passed on, murdered by Mistress Lorraine Farrell, no relation, in a house in Drogheda, Speedy thought he had it made. But Farrell's empire fractured, other heavies moved in. Speedy found himself out on a limb. And although he continued to make big money out of drugs when he successfully brought them in, he made some spectacular losses when huge caches of e-tabs were seized by the RUC or the Gardaí. On one occasion, a million dollar consignment of LSD was intercepted. His bankers were not happy. Jesus, hadn't heard that one before. So he had to keep gambling on more ambitious drugs running scams to make more money and pay off the cash he had lost in abortive import bids and to maintain his high living, high rolling and ultimately high risk lifestyle. But the internal drugs war was turning out to be even more vicious than, for instance, the direct action against drugs campaign which took the lives of up to a dozen dealers. Drug dealers were turning on themselves, especially in the north. The huge seizures of drugs being made by the police on both sides of the border were not coincidences. Tip-offs to the police from rival drugs barons were used in jealous feuds to protect their own turf or to thwart the operations of others. Speedy Fagan ordered the assassination of one man because he believed the victim had supplied the Sunday World with a picture of himself along with Brenton Campbell. Sunday World is the paperback home that gets into all these like drug dealers' business and all, like takes paparazzi pictures of them, publishes them coming out of court. Really, really, really pokes the bear. Like basically, you know, it's a rag essentially, but pretty good crack as far as crack goes. Like 
just for all our international listeners there, the Sunday world is like where you want to know like what's going on in organized crime. So let's play the picture of him. So someone's to play the picture of Speedy to the Sunday world and he ordered the man killed. And in this picture he was also with Brayton Campbell. Campbell was later to die in a hail of bullets outside the plush Planks restaurant on Belfast Lisburn Road. Recently, Speedy Fagan was targeted in a gun attack himself at the Tollgate House Apartments at Bradbury Place on Belfast's so-called Golden Mile. The assassination bid failed. A bullet grazed his chest. The next morning, a drug stealer known to me phoned me at my office. Oh, that's this guy from this article. I thought that. He said, pass this message to Speedy. Tell him I'll do it right next time. That's so ballsy. Fucking hell. But drug dealers just had the control of the headlines back home, like... For a while. What? That's crazy. Think about the political strife that's going on in Ireland at the time too. Madness. I believe that particular drug dealer could have been one of the pair of gunmen who murdered Fagan and Yuri yesterday, even though Speedy is supposed to have gasped his last breath that it was the Provies. It was the Provies. Speedy himself could cut up thick. He put a £20,000 bounty on the head of the man who supplied the Sunday world with the picture of him and Brendan Campbell. The two assassins he hired later murdered that man before fleeing to Donegal to spend their bounty. Speedy vent his spleen on newspapers he considered were hounding him. He targeted the Sunday world, and he targeted me. He paid two of his henchmen 500 each in e-tabs to torch the Sunday world office in Belfast because of what we were writing about him. The arson bid was only partially successful. It didn't stop us writing about him and other evil drugs barons. Recently, Fagan was finding it even more difficult to live with the pressure he'd imposed upon himself. Maybe that's why the gambler went back to Newry yesterday when, according to other underworld sources, he had been told to stay out of his native town. It proved the last toss of the dice for Speedy Fagan. The search is still on for the motive behind the Fagan murder. My bet is on the internal turf war continuing among the North's feuding godfathers. There was speculation Fagan had a connection to the £800,000 drugs haul intercepted by Gordy at Balbriggan last Friday. Maybe that was a final botched operation which proved one mistake too many for the bank rollers continuing to finance his drugs fiefdom. End of story. Thank you, Jim McDowell. And then here is from the Irish Times. Uh, Claire Murphy and Jim Cusack. IRS suspected of Speedy Fagan murder. Republican sources in Northern Ireland were last night suggesting that the provisional IRA was responsible for the murder of... Republic... Or... Uh, Newry-based drug dealer Brenton Speedy Fagan. Fagan died instantly when he was singled out at 1.40pm in the Hermitage Bar, Canal Street, Newry, by two men armed with handguns and wearing false moustaches and wigs. Such a crazy detail. He was shot at close range at least five times in the head and body. A passerby, like, that's mafia style, like, that's Godfather. Michael gets that guy. You know what I'm talking about? It's a movie nerd podcast, if you don't know, also. We do it all, okay? A passerby said he saw people running out of the pub, some covered in blood, screaming, Speedy's been shot. Police have appealed to customers in the pub at the time of the shooting to come forward. By last evening, only 10 of the approximately 60 customers had done so. One of Fagan's close criminal associates, Brenton Bob Campbell, was shot dead by the IRA in February 1988 as part of a campaign against suspected drug dealers. Sinn Féin was afterwards expelled from the pre-Belfast agreement talks for two weeks. Fagan was the link figure between the Dublin-based drug- drugs gang which was responsible for the murder of the journalist Veronica Gearan in June 1986 and the drugs trade in the north. Wild. Senior security sources have also confirmed that he was also a police informant on both sides of the border. 
He was arrested by Gordy investigating the Guerin murder in 1987 but released without charge, although he had been in possession of a small amount of cocaine. It is understood he supplied information to Gordy detectives. Fagan's Mitsubishi Lancer car, which he bought last week for 25 grand in cash, was later removed from the street outside the pub. He had spent the day driving to and from the pub and the pony trotting races near the Worm Point dual carriageway. Usually under protection, there are reports that Fagan had earlier sent away his minder. The Sinn Féin councillor for the area, Mr Brenton Kern, said he did not believe the killing was linked to the IRA. Fagan was well-known Republican, he said, adding, all Republican organisations, to my knowledge, are still on ceasefire. Well, whoever shot Speedy certainly wasn't on fucking speed on ceasefire. So, let's just check out one more piece of writing about the big man here. This got a good headline. Speedy Gate tapes to shock police. Voices from beyond could show drug boss was a double agent. I think every article we've read so far has confirmed that, so I'm not totally blown away by that. Like, But here we go. Drugs kingpin, Speedy Fagan. A kingpin again. Like, the man was 24. Like, what happened here? Like, was it just because Farrell Sr. was shot and he moved into the gap? I don't understand how it all worked. It just blows my mind that it went down all this way and so many people had to die over it. Drugs kingpin Speedy Fagan promised he would lift the lid on explosive secrets about shady dealings he claimed to have had with some senior cops on both sides of the Irish border. But, as we exclusively reveal, he might not have, ta- he might not have taken them all to his grave. Murdered drugs baron Speedy Fagan had been on the verge of releasing secret tapes he claimed could bring high-ranking police officers tumbling down. In an approach to Sunday people from a close confidant of the Newry man, we were told that Fagan was ready to spill the beans over his alleged dealings with police officers. He claimed video and audio cassettes were available from a number of sting operations that Speedy had himself set up as he began to turn the tables on police contacts. Fagan, 24, nicknamed Speedy, was gunned down by two men in a Newry bar last Sunday. A loose Republican connection in the attack has not been ruled out, but the murder was not sanctioned by the IRA. At least one of the killers is more than likely to have been a figure from the murky drugs underworld in the greater Belfast area who had an axe to grind. Or, it's also possible that one of the gunmen was a hitman and paid by other criminals to do the hit. Fifteen bullets pounded into Fagan as he fell to the floor of the bar he was drinking in with friends. Just days before, a close minder of Speedy's had contacted us about the possibility of a sensational story that will blow the lid off the drug squad operation in Northern Ireland. This is going to make a lot of people very uncomfortable, he said. The call and the claims were treated with the utmost caution. Our contact, Harry, first outlined some new information about the ongoing drugs clampdown in Ballymena County Antrim in a bid to convince us of his credentials. Our checks later proved that the information regarding a large team of English drugs police arriving in Antrim was accurate. Days, days later, after we published the story, it was made public to the other media. Harry claimed that his boss, who he described as a major player from the Newry area, had information and hard evidence about corruption in the police. He mentioned only once that he also had information concerning Britain's internal intelligence group, MI5. Harry said Speedy often tipped off members of the police about drugs hauls that were coming in Northern Ireland in recent years and that this was widely known. In exchange, it was alleged that Speedy would get a cut of those drugs and he would be guaranteed immunity. Police officers, it was claimed, would also maintain that Speedy was a top target for detectives who wanted to bring him to book for his drug dealing activities. They are said to have told him that they would plant media stories about his lavish drugs barren lifestyle to help ensure that his cover was not blown. Police were said to be honouring the immunity they had promised Speedy. Wow, that's explosive. 
holy fuck, I'm just taking in what I read there. So it was a smoke show. MA5 smoke show. Smoke screen, excuse me. Smoke show. Huh? Brent Schaub in the building. Fuck. Police were said to be honouring the, the, the immunity they promised Speedy, but it, what exactly has detailed her? That's wild. But at the same time, they were turning up the heat on him in the search for more and more illegal cases, mainly of cannabis. Speedy was said to have been fed up feeling the heat and being constantly in debt to his handlers. He was said to have felt in some strange way that he was being betrayed. The drug dealer arranged for the video recording and audio taping of a number of meetings and telephone conversations he had with police. Those were said to already be in the bag. Speedy was just waiting to decide when to release the information to both Sunday people and TV media. Harry outlined an example conversation saying that it involved a blunt tip-off to a senior detective and then a short talk about what kind of drugs would be involved. He then said that the two men arranged that half the cannabis hull would end up in Speedy's hands. Harry stressed his boss wanted to be absolutely sure he was dealing with a reporter on the level who would keep this information top secret until the meeting was arranged. We promised that we would always protect our sources but in return it was important for us to check if Harry was seeking money for these revelations. That would immediately suggest that he was lying. Look, Harry answered firmly, this guy could buy and sell you if he wanted. We want nothing in exchange for this. My employer has his own personal reasons for doing what he's doing and they are not money. I'll take the details of this conversation back to my employer and talk it over with him. You can expect to hear from me in a matter of weeks or when my employer sees fit to meet with you. When we get back in touch with you, you will be taken to a secret place where you can meet my employer. You will not know where you are. We will discuss the situation with you, give you copies of the tapes, and then in return we would expect to hear from you soon. We're sure you would want to check the material yourself before you publish it. If you do any research in the meantime, just make sure you keep it confidential. But we were never to meet Fagan or get the alleged tapes. Just two days before we were due to get another approach from Harry, the drugs baron and the agent was shot dead. It's possible that the tapes which would prove Speedy Fagan worked on the side of law and order in the battle against drugs rather than as the alleged Baron could yet see the light of day. Wow, Speedy Fagan double agent. Well, well, there you go, everybody. I hope that brings a little bit more light to the story of Speedy Fagan for you. I also just really think that this one particular paragraph from the Guardian article, which I just think is the best written article about it all, but this one paragraph from the Guardian article is just so worth revisiting like if you want to try and really get under the skin of the man here his love of fast driving had brought him his nickname when one neighbor once admired another of his cars fagan replied openly well that's the narcotics business for you when the video proved inconclusive fagan came up with another ways to settle the bet this is about the ponies racing up and down the worm point carriageway like that they have big money on him and the travellers that are in the bar the day date. He suggested that they put the entire pot on a sprint between himself and the traveller down Newry's Canal Street. So like, they're in there and it wasn't, what is it, it's a malfunctioning phone or something so they can't get the result of the last race on Speedy then, who I just believe in when I'm doing his voice, like skating it up because he's a young lad from Courtney Hill, like that does a lot of drugs, so so what, it's just him and the tinkers like, and they can't get the results of the last race, so he's like uh, right, well, how about I'll race you up Canal Street then? Like, that's just fucking outrageous. I can't fucking believe all of that happened in the same town that I'm from. You'd think the crack would fucking stop at some point, but it just never does. Nuri will never quit. 
Now, what about this for a perspective on modern Ireland, just to throw a completely different angle at you? This is from or slash Ireland. Housing crisis is cock blocking young people. I've been trying to hook up with this girl I met a week ago. The two of us are mid-twenties. We've been planning to have a shag, but unfortunately, we happen to live with our respective parents. Can't go to a hotel because they either have no rooms or are asking 300 quid a night. How are young people in this country supposed to fuck? Like, I can afford 300 quid. I won't be spending that much for a room, but I have no other option. It's not at all sustainable. I can't spend 300 quid every time I want to ride. Every time I want to ride the girl I'm dating. Prostitutes are literally cheaper as to have their own accommodation. The housing and hotel crisis are really getting on my fucking nerves. I generally feel that this will be the tipping point and this will topple the government. If people can't fuck, you're going to have a lot of frustrated, angry youth in the streets. No house, high cost of living and now no sex. Fuck Fianna Foil and Fianna Gale. Edit. Please stop suggesting sex in the car or outdoors. Girls nowadays are picky and are not up for it. <laughs> Spoken like the voice of experience right there. We've been planning to have a shag. Makes it sound like a business decision. Top comment. <laughs> well done pal yeah god bless him can't spend 300 quid every time I want to ride the girl I'm dating (laughs) fucking fair play to your fella now let's get after it I got a bunch of thoughts on how the year's shaping up for mixed martial arts and it's time we got into it really to be honest okay first and foremost so we're just we're going to move through these I'm going to try to stick to this list and we'll see if we get lost in the weeds anywhere along the line that might be bad because I might lose my place. I might over-talk something that I plan to talk about later in the list. But you know what? Those are my problems. Why don't you let me deal with those? I'll get on with the hosting. You get on with being the the best damn audience member you can be. Alright. So this is it. Punkadelic roundup of what the fuck's going on in MMA. Number one. Israel Adesanya needs a new challenge. I think we've all seen that now. I think we're sort of... A little bit stressed out that he's having, like, like he's so, so, so talented and so charismatic. He's just not getting finishes, so, you know, the hardcores and the purists will still get a lot out of watching Izzy perform. They love that, and people like me that love to see five-round wars and technical battles and, like, minor details. Well, not that, again, I'll give this disclaimer as well. I don't know jack shit about MMA. I just watch a lot of it, so don't take my word for anything. I come at it with the perspective of a fan, sometimes more along the lines of what is the best crack in a division, who's most fun, who I would like to see as champ rather than. So, don't get at me. I'll try and make the distinction where possible so you know if I'm being silly or I'm actually telling you I rate this guy's skills or not. But, it's a free podcast um, about a sport I will I've never even come close to participating in. So don't stress it, our fella. Just you know what? Take the next thirty-five minutes off. I'll handle it. So with Izzy, it would just be fantastic to see some finishes coming through again. And I think, of course we do have a very, very good chance of seeing something spectacular happening in the Alex Pereira fight, but I think it also speaks to a lack of depth at middleweight right now. I mean, I I don't think anybody thinks that Vittori is on Whitaker's level, although there is... Are they supposed to be fighting? Was that cancelled? Did Whitaker have to pull out of another one? Oh, good God. Um, I guess I should look that up, but honestly, we've got too much to get to to be stopping to look up everything, and I think there's more important things to look up. Well, maybe we'll just do the rankings so we'll have each. So yeah, hopefully we get to see 
barn burning shit from Izzy in the Alex Pereira fight. But after that, then, we're not really sure what's going on. Um, we know that one man that we want to see fighting. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, um, you know, if he's made short work of Cannoneer there, I unfortunately missed that fight. And uh, made short work of Bobby Knuckles. It's like, what happens next? But then he was made short work of a light heavyweight. You know, do we think maybe that the time might come again for another move to light heavyweight and we'll get a go at fighting you know if is it what is it yuri Paschaka now is the champ and they will they think he's they're going to try and line up his first defense against either blahovitz or Teixeira. so izzy's got a chance of the maybe getting a light heavyweight crack against glover Teixeira, and i mean you'd have to favor him in that fight the youth the speed the agility come on so that could be fascinating but at middleweight, we need to see something happening. So let's see what is going on in middleweight right now. Yes, we'll accept all cookies. Thank you, UFC. Head champ, Israel Alessania. Ranked number one, Robert Whitaker, of course. Number two, Jared Cannonier. Um, so Izzy's beat both of them. Number three, Vittori's beat him. Number four, Bronson beat him. Number five, Pereira, he's about to fight him. Number six, Costa, he's beat him. Number seven, Strickland. Strickland just had a big loss, so he can't go anywhere near the title. Eight, Hermanson. Hermanson's not good enough to fight for the belt. No harm to him. Um, yeah, Hermanson's like a fucking permanent number eight in the division. Flashes of brains, I think, didn't he, like... Didn't he take out Gaslam super quick one time? Like, really quick with, like, grappling into some fucking crazy submission. Yeah, but, like, a lot of the time, not so inspiring. Um, Andre Muniz, never heard of him, to be honest. Uh, 11, Kelvin Gaslam. Nasruddin Imavov. I wonder, is this a new dude? Drikas Tuplessis, one of the most entertaining fighters in the game right now. And he just called out... He just called out one of our men too. We'll talk about that later on. Brad Tavares in at number 14 and an always dangerous fighter. Chris Curtis, the action man at number 15, previously not ranked at middleweight. So, I mean, I don't know who is the biggest threat, if anyone is a threat to that assigning here at all. So, you know, he'll get a couple more fights, I'm sure. Maybe they'll um, be able to get Strickland another win or two and slip him in there. Maybe, I mean... Personally, I'd love to see Duplessis do something absolutely crazy and get up there. Uh, we know Usman's not going to move up and challenge him, but is perhaps anybody else from welterweight looking for a move up right now? Colby Covington, could he handle 185 pounds? I don't think so. Looking down the list here, I'm not quite sure. Kiesa, do you think Kiesa, he's huge. Do you think he could handle the extra weight? and do something tricky on the ground. You also have to factor in there, of course, that Kiesa sucks at fighting, so there's not really anything there that's exciting me that could move up to fight Izzy. Um, who could Izzy move up and have a competitive fight with? Clover, yes, I think so. Jan, I think we learned already. No. Ankalaev, maybe. Uh, Rakic, yeah. Anthony Smith, yeah. Jamal Hill, it's more competitive than Smith or Rackets, that's for sure. Dominic Reyes, uh, yeah, given that Reyes hasn't looked super sharp since the loss to John Jones. Um, yeah, loss to John Jones, deal with it. Uzdemir, yeah, is he, uh, might be Uzdemir. Thiago Santos, probably. Paul Craig. Imagine Paul Craig beat up Israel Adesanya. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best thing that ever happened in fighting. 
pay for it. So, um, yeah, you know, is he still a fucking man? He's still a fucking gunslinger, and he's the standard right now. Uh, it would just be great to see him smoke a few more boys, but not obviously my favorite fighter of all time, Bobby Knuckles. Please stop smoking him, everybody. So, uh, yeah, that's it. I think it made the case pretty well there, though. So then, you know, a matter of the heart, like from a matter of, you know, intelligence and Israel Adesanya and who does he fight next and let's look at the thing but like Night of Matters of the Heart Nate Diaz is buck wild and we're here for it a punkadelic podcast I used to be a hater you know I was a McGregor fanboy but look how hard this company fucks these fighters how can you not love that right now Nate has a chance to fuck back for once he can fuck up the wolf throw that hype train off balance a little bit and, like, he'll throw it off balance a little bit anyway. He'll come out of the press conference, tell him he sucks, slag his voice, even though Nate Diaz is nobody to be telling anybody that anybody sucks or slagging anybody's voice. But you know you know how it is. There is an X factor with the Diaz brothers. And if you don't want to see the UFC get fucked a little bit like this, I just don't want to know. I don't, like, you need to have a heart here and think about what the Diaz brothers have gone through and just appreciate so it's buck wild he's like people say well i mean is it true like he asked for this fight he wants the wolf he wants to fight fucking comes out because that's not who the fuck wants wants to go out there and fight him right now um you know kamara usman might have to if chimeyev gets the win but of course the main storyline is that it's nate diaz last fight on his thing so on his contract excuse me so he'll be out of here this might be his send-off you know, what are we really expecting? Maybe something similar to Leon Edwards' fight where he's uh, beat up but not finished for five rounds, but will have moments. Will have moments, and that is all the people will remember. Put the house on it. Like, that's exactly how a fight's going to go. I mean, maybe Chimeyev can pull off some sort of flurry where he gets a TKO or... I don't know. It's just... Nate Diaz doesn't lose fights ever. If you know what I mean. If you look at it with Nate Diaz logic. He doesn't lose fights. Like, like he didn't lose against Leon Edwards. He beat him. That fight had gone on five more minutes. Leon was fucked. He was breaking. And, you know, losing concentration. That's that's all that was from Leon Edwards too. Is was fucking a loss of trap and concentration. A boredom, I think I heard somebody call it so. Just fascinating. That fight's coming right up, and you just you have to be ready for that one. That one has to get you excited, otherwise you're not interested in a fight game. Um, Alex Volkanovski in the man, and how fast can we push for double champ status here? What's the what's the options here for the next challenge? There, nothing needs to be said. The third fight against Max Holloway really, really proved it. You know, I'm a huge Max Holloway fan, and I really didn't want to believe that he lost the first fight. Or the second fight, I thought the second fight was even closer. Um, but the third one, obviously, Volkanovski's run away with it. And it's just very interesting time there with the two of those guys. So far ahead of everyone else. But then a little cluster forming right behind them of uh, Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, Arnold Allen. You know, that is a hella fucking stacked top six in your, or top six in, in your division. Um, yeah. 
and then Chan Sung Jung, Giga Chikadze, Bryce Mitchell, Mosvor Evloyev, who's one of the best prospects I've seen in ages and has an ugly fucking style that hopefully he doesn't do all that well, but like he will, you know, he's a like a Dagestani destroyer. Dan Ige, who's the man, Sadiq Yusuf, who can fight. Edson Barbosa still hanging around there. Forgot about that. Ilya Topuria. Oh, I thought he was a lightweight. Anyway, shows what I know. Alex Caceres. That's not Bruce Leroy, is it? Yeah, what use is this guy now? And he's 13th in the division right now? Or 15th? Still. Being ranked is not nothing. So yeah, what do you really do with Volkanovski there? Do you get Sahudo back in to fight him? Or do you throw him up and let's see who will he have competitive fights with here at lightweight? Charles Oliveira. Probably like competitive fight. Yeah. Poirier. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, actually. He's small, but like we've seen in mixed martial arts people fight taller opponents before. It's there's a game plan to be done there. Justin Gaethje, yeah. It's not Makachev, like that's nearly the most interesting one. Michael Chandler, yeah. Wrestling plus aggression, you know, that's what Volkanovski's gonna have to do. He's gonna take on a challenge up at 55, like it'll have to be from that top five. Benil Dariush in there, number six. Rafael Faziv, Rafael Dosanios, Mateusz Gamrot, Armin Saryukian, Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner. Damir Ismagulov. I mean, Volkanovski could have a competitive fight with anybody there, and I only mention all of those guys there in the conversation because I do think, yes, he would have to fight someone top five just because of his caliber and his like, record is outrageous now. He's got undefeated in the UFC on an 11 fight win streak. Like, I feel like he almost put that together very quietly too, and it's just what a what a hell of a fighter mixing it up in there. It'll be very very hard to beat. He's got everybody's number. Beat the fuck out of Brian Ortega. Beat the fuck out of Max Holloway. And, you know, anybody else that's beating anybody else at featherweight right now is scraping past him. You know, the, uh, what's his name? Excuse me. Yeah, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, Arnold. Well, Arnold Allen, I think, is KO and Boy Stiff. So let's see who he gets next. Who will he get next? What is booked next? Rodriguez. Oh, the Rodriguez Ortega thing. That fucking broke my heart. I really wanted to see that round. And they were going at it for a round two. Um, or for the four minutes before that was a brutal injury. So Volkanovski basically has proved it. He's the man. He's the featherweight champ there. The 145 pounds. He needs to move up to 55. Get a new challenge. And um, I'm all here for it. You know, if it's uh, if it is the comeback of Triple C at 145, then great. But like, we need something. We need like some sort of super fight here because uh, nobody's going to be crazy excited no offense of course but nobody's going to be crazy excited about alexander volkanovsky versus josh emmett right now because i think we'll all just feel like emmett will be a dead man walking there just it won't feel competitive so yeah let's see it and like it's super interesting because he's so tough but he does like he is significantly shorter than everyone else at lightweight so i don't know could he use that to his advantage maybe maybe not i don't know enough about it I am here for it. That is something that I would love to see this year. Let's see what we can do about that, Uncle Dana, huh? So, yeah, my next question is, who is the next man at Featherweight going to be? 
I really don't know. Do you think Yair, does Yair move forward on an implied victory over Brian Ortega because fucking Ortega's shoulder gave way? Uh, very, very hard to say. And I don't think it was really conclusive from the four minutes of fighting that we saw that anybody had a distinct advantage. I think, you know, as we saw, I think we saw the basics, right? That Yair was getting the better of the striking and Ortega was having success when he was grappling and stopping, you know, bringing the grind in the fight to a halt, basically. So, I mean, we could have written, anybody could have written that script. So, what did we learn there? Fuck all squared, really. And we need to get that. We need to get that run out again. Can we rebook Max Holloway or Yair Rodriguez? Why the hell not? Rodriguez is still fit. Max, when a Max last fight well, was a couple of months ago now. Mm, don't know. But that would be a rematch of one of the best fights of all time too. Max versus Yair was five rounds of absolute craziness. I think Max did win that one cleanly, but it's a supremely competitive fight. You'll love it. Check that one out on Fight Pass for sure. So yeah, in, in short, I do not know. That's a really tough question. Who is the next man that's going to emerge there? Well, there you go. That's something for you to watch out for. If you're an MMA fan, who is the next chance? Like, well, Evloyev, as I say, watch out for this guy, Evloyev. He's got a nasty submission game that I don't think people are going to be completely ready for. Bryce Mitchell in this division as well. Like Bryce Mitchell is going to get a title shot someday. UFC love him. He speaks to the fucking chicken fucking farming Arkansas Goomba demographic like which is like a lot of America when you think about it so good and I like Bryce Mitchell and nasty submission games so he's got the what the second twister in UFC history put some respect on the man's name it's tough looking at this Giga Chikadze is no slouch of a fighter either who did he lose to Calvin Cater beat him cleanly yeah, pretty clean if I remember that fight. Calvin Cater, receiver, one of the worst beatings in UFC history at the hands of one Max Holloway also. Okay, moving up a division. Wow, the next title fight at lightweight is fucking fascinating. So, yeah, Charles Oliveira, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu machine who has got hands to make no mistake, versus Islam Makachev, the second common of Khabib. Coach Khabib will be in the corner and it's like almost like we're going to see Khabib Tony, you know, it's like, we have Khabib and Tony at home, but like, Oliver is nearly more dangerous than Tony Ferguson, because it's like the attributes are flipped, it's like as good as Ferguson is at striking, but also has a black belt, you know, Oliver's black belt is his primary weapon, but he also has extremely good striking, you know, it's like, those attributes, but like the same split, but in reverse, the anti-Tony Ferguson, that, <laughs> yeah, the good Tony Ferguson, then, not the evil one. Uh, yes, yeah, so fascinating. So what what wins out there? Like, does the Sambo win? Does Charles' ability to strike and mix it up move in? And Charles got heart. You know, Makachev can be beat. Oliver doesn't get beat at lightweight. I, I could tell me his last loss is at featherweight. Tell me I'm not making this up. Let's see. Yeah, let's go through here. Last time, lost the fight. Lost to Paul Felder. TKO in 2017. Which that fight was it lightweight though? Yeah, and then lost to Lamas, which was the last fight at featherweight. Okay, so he's lost one since he came up from featherweight, but can't fault the man's heart either way. 
gone down in numerous title defences now and come and pulled something out of the bag. Finished Poirier, finished Chandler, uh, finished Gaethje. Like, that's a record not to be trifled with. So, and champ or not, you know, that interim bullshit. Charles Oliver is the man there right now. Uh, obviously, I don't know if we want another Sambo specialist dominating up there and talking shit all the damn time. And another, uh, what do you call their manager? He's annoying too, so we don't want that around there. So I'll be going balls out for Charles Oliver. That's where my technical analysis goes out the window. I want the man from the favelas to win, you know. Like, who doesn't love Chucky Olives? What a, you know, for the longest time was the safest pet in MMA. Anytime you've seen him on a card, it's just like, since the move to lightweight, as I say, does not lose, hasn't lost since 2017, so very much a favourite fighter of mine, and uh, got guts too, you know, like not going to bitch out on anything, um, Islam Makhchev isn't going to scare him, but I just, I don't know what wins there, Sambo or Jiu-Jitsu, like, but I think we learned that from this fight, so that's what's super exciting about it, so let's go. Alright then, what about them booking Sugar Sean versus uh, Pete Piotr Jan? Absolutely bonkers fight in the bantamweight division. The UFC's youngest, hippest, prettiest boy, covered in face tattoos, hangs out with the Kashi 69, going to town with the most gritty Russian boxer villain from a Rocky movie that there is. Just seems bananas. O'Malley's ranked 13th, Jan's ranked second, right? Isn't that it? No, Jan's ranked first right now. And yeah, O'Malley's 13th. So that's a hell of a jump. Like, it's going down though. It's happening on that mega stacked card, UFC 280. Let's have a look and see what we got confirmed on that card. So we're topped off by Oliveira Makachev. Then we also got Aljamain Sterling, TJ Dillashaw for the bantamweight strap. Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, also interestingly able to serve as alternates should anybody fall out of the bantamweight title pick about there. Uh, Benil Dariush versus Matthias Gamrot, also there to serve, I guess, as sort of spiritual backups to that title fight. That's great. Benil Dariush deserves a shot at the title, I think, for sure. Matthias Gamrot, I don't know crazy amounts about, um, but I believe to be a very good fighter. Rank number nine there. Uh, women's flyweight bout, otherwise known as a smoke break. Caitlin Chukagian versus Manon Fioro. Never heard of you. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. That's a very important fight at welterweight. Uzdemir Krilov, there's a fight nobody cares about. And Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos at strawweight. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Marina Rodriguez will be winning that fight. So there is one you can take to your bookie and tell him Double D sent you. So yeah, what do you think? Like Sugar Sean, can those like in and out avoidy skills get the better Peter Yan does he have to outpoint him or could Sugar Sean knock out Yan it seems strange but then we don't think we ever really thought we would see such a decisive victory by Sterling over Yan in the last title fight there so Yan's definitely got chinks in his armor there's no doubt about that Sugar Sean might be the man to exploit them he is a, like his fight IQ is one of the things that makes him so good but we know a fighter with a lot of grit can shut Sean O'Malley down and like there is no body as gritty at bantamweight right now as Cheeto Vera but if there was, we'd probably say it was um, Piotr Jan. So, massive jump for O'Malley. You have to respect it. How the fuck are you not going to tune into that one? That's a massive fight. That's almost the biggest fight on that fucking card. 
And that is saying something. Look at that car. That's stacked up and I still said that. Madness. Welcome to the fucking sugar show. Two new fighters at lightweight are a fucking problem. And if you haven't realised it, these are two you need to be watching out for on prelims and on fight nights because these guys are racking them up. Jalen Turner and Terence McKinney. Jalen the Tarantula Turner and Terence T-Rex McKinney. Incidentally, two brilliant nicknames that I'm a huge fan of. Well fucking done then. Well done on that. But the Tarantula just knocked out Brad Riddell and broke my heart. Brad Riddell's another of my favourite fighters. And Terence McKinney just can't stop winning in the first round. So he is calling a lot for Paddy the Batty too. Let's see if he gets it. But I'm telling you right now, folks, if you want to take away like who's up and coming fighters to watch, there's from this podcast, if you respect my opinion about it in any way, shape or form, and there's nothing saying that you have to do that. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, Jalen Turner and Terence McKinney are fucking problems. Check them out. Um, also love seeing, as I said, Brad Riddell and Drew Dober, uh, two great fighters hanging around there. Uh, Nasrat Hakparas, I think, staging a little bit of a comeback in round there as well. So, you know, lightweight's just that deep of a division that you can really be talking about the 16 to 25 stretch and it's got as much depth nearly as the top 15. So awesome, awesome division stacked up right now. So is Bantamweight. It's, it's in a good place right now. What about my man Sandhagen? Where is he in the rankings right now? He's ranked fourth at Bantamweight. Corey Sandhagen's in a tremendously entertaining fighter. Um, I thought beat TJ Dillashaw maybe a little bit when I watched the fight. I thought the judges were caught up a little bit in TJ's star power, so to speak. You know, there's a lot, a lot of talk about him. We know a lot of it's negative, but infamy almost is stronger than fame if that makes sense to you you know so all this talk about the snake the juice monkey this that and the other the drug cheating steroid scum all of this i just think that it corrupted them a little bit i think that sanhagen was much more effective but you know he's had setbacks in here before he's going to get his chance he's fighting song yadong next which make no mistake is going to be a striking battle for the ages that's incredible yadong has been knocking people out left right and center at um at bantamweight and even has a win over cheeto vera which not a lot of fucking people have so who else has wins over cheeto right now jose aldo just not too many not too many so yes yeah, sanhagen's still in there um, was unfortunate to lose that decision to Dillashaw. Got Song Yudong. You know Yudong's ranked 10th down there, but um, a win there should safely see him be in line for a title shot. Of course, then O'Malley might be in line for a title shot. Of course, Jan might be undeniable for another title shot if he absolutely sparks out O'Malley. Um, although that's not the world we want to be living in. So, not sure. Not sure about Bantamweight, but it is stacked up. Now, the welterweight deadlock. Is this about to break this weekend with Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards? Kamara Usman is just, you know, it's kind of boring now. He just wins all the time. He gets better all the time and does get more entertaining. Who doesn't think that that last knockout of Masvidal was one of the most picture-perfect things they've ever seen? And on top of this, this man's gritty wrestling skills and, again, Hart, we've seen him tough it out for five rounds against Masvidal in there. I mean, well, tough it out. You know, it's not pretty, but... They call that champion's mindset sometimes, just being boring, getting it done. Um, I really think Leon has a very, very good chance. I think Leon had success in their first fight, and that's way before he knew how to wrestle. <clears throat> and he knows how to do it all now. So 
watch that fight very closely. I think you really do think you should be excited for that one. Um, God knows if I'll get this out in time, but as of right now, that's where we're about two days out from that fight. I'm excited for that one. And then, you know, he's just been lapping the competition here. So if we look at the division, Colby Covington, he's beat twice. Leon Edwards, he's fighting Saturday. Kamza Chimaev. Gilbert Burns, he's beat maybe not twice, but definitely once, definitely decisively. Um, Bilal Muhammad, maybe Bilal can get up there. I'm not sure. Not sure that he really poses a problem to Usman. Like, what does Bilal Muhammad do that nobody else does? I don't quite know. I don't really think there's an answer. That's kind of a rhetorical, facetious question. Stephen Thompson, don't think he's getting back to the belt right now. Um, would it be interesting? I'm sure it would look uh, vaguely pretty for a little while, and then it would get very, very, very ugly very fast. Sean Brady, there's the fucking dark horse interesting pick right there. Jeff Neal, a couple of these grittier upstarts. Like, this This is the, p- the part of the division here where I think Usman needs to watch out for because, like, maybe Chimaev is everything they say is, I don't know, I hate this crack so much that I'm not willing to entertain that notion just yet. Although the Burns fight, you know, the Li Jinglang fight, like, there's no denying them. The Mearshard fight, there's no denying any of those. Those are all legit wins. I just don't know. I just don't like his crack, so I'm not entertaining it, so fuck off. But yeah, I think we have to get down to seven or eight here to look at some prospects that might have what it takes in terms of combinations of skills to beat Usman. Brady's fucking very big, very gritty, can do a little bit of everything. There's no flash. He'll hurt you, no doubt about it. Jeff Neal the same, knocks people out. Um, not finished products, I wouldn't say either, man, is, you know, um, could do with a little more polish, and they need big wins to get up there. So who's ahead of them? Maybe, maybe you match Jeff Neal up with Gilbert Burns. Maybe you could match. Well, Brady's got Bilal Muhammad at UFC 280, that big, massive one, so, um, out in Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, I believe Sean Brady's got what it takes to win that. That should slingshot him up to number five at the very least. And then he could take on. Is Sean Brady Colby Covington? Could be a good fight. I mean, he can never discount Masvidal, even though he's ranked ninth right now. Uh, he could. You know, his star power puts him in a different position there. So, you know, we could have Jeff Neal or Sean Brady fight. Yeah, either one of those versus Masvidal would be a great fight and would set them up for a number one contender fight, if not a title fight, for sure. But anyway, yes, the Usman thing just getting kind of boring. If he does what he says he's going to do and move up to light heavyweight, that's interesting. If Israel Adesanya was to be injured or sidelined for a while and he wanted to take a crack at an interim belt against Robert Whittaker, you have to ask yourself, would that look competitive? And it's like, fuck, of course it would. But it's easier said than done beating Bobby Knuckles, so don't just get too far ahead of yourself, Kamara Usman. Focus on the fight ahead of you, because I think Leon Edwards poses a lot, a lot of problems for you. And, you know, well, you know, the deadlock has sort of been broken in terms of we had a lot of boring title fights for a while, but the Masvidal knockout... The Colby Covington fight. Usman does have a couple of crackers under his belt now, like classics, to be honest. Um, a classic knockout, a classic five round with Barn Burner. You know, do put some respect on the man's name, like he's always shouting about, but never put any respect on his crack, which is bad, and you heard it here first. Uh, here's another pertinent point about the fight game Luke Rockhold and Misha Tate are two fucking mouthpieces. They come swaggering back in after these three and four year hiatuses and whatever the fuck, you know. It's been forever since they fought and they come back in and they have a tune-up fight. It's a tune-up fight. 
Everyone knows it's a tune-up fight. And they're like, I ain't gonna fight for the title. I ain't gonna fight for two titles. I ain't gonna jump up. I ain't gonna grab the next title. Blah, blah, blah. I ain't gonna do this. I ain't gonna do that. The comeback fights both get bothered every time. Luke Rockhold's on a two-fight losing streak. His last big comeback was at light heavyweight. He was starched out cold in the first round by the legendary Polish power. Before that, Luke Rockhold uh, got the shit kicked out of him by Yoel Romero, who also kissed him afterwards. Misha Tate, who does she even fight in her comeback there? Uh, oh, Lauren Murphy. Beat the fuck out of her. I was like, of course that was going to happen. Cupcake, you're too pretty. Of course Lauren Murphy was going to fucking bend you over and spank you. Of course. But, like, where, where were the husbands? Where were the coaches? Where were the fans? Like, but and like, we see them all week during fight week. Fight week doing this mouth and off. Is there no coach? Like, look, Rockhold's coaches, Jason Perillo. Like, the man needs a clip around the ear. I was listening to his interview there, and it was a lot of Luke Rockholdisms in it. But him versus Paulo Costa is a brilliant fight. You need to be excited for. I am two big stupid egomaniacs who like both have dynamite capabilities. Like Luke Rockhold's got head kick knockouts, guillotines, arming guillotines, all kinds of shit on his record. They call uh, Paulo Costa Boracina. The Eraser, and they call him that for a reason. What he did to Johnny Hendricks was obscene. That was the UFC just being like, well, you know what it is, Johnny Hendricks, we want you to be fucking brain damaged when you leave here, so um, here you go. And he needs a win. He, like, Paulo Costa's backed into a corner here. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Adesanya humped him. All that shit about red wine. He's pissed off. Missed weight last time. Had to put up with Vittori talking shit at him. Paulo Costa is going to be riled up and ready for this. That's a fight that is going to be electric, I think. But I just feel like Rockhold's going to fucking break. And it's all talk and bluster. And it would be better off winning the fight, blustering afterwards, you know? Anyway, mouthpieces. God bless both of them. Now, here's the thing. I've been trying not to mention this man's name all night. But where is Darren Till? Well, he was supposed to fight at UFC London or dropped off because of injury. Um, apparently, one of his coaches had to call up and call off for him because he wasn't going to do it. He was just going to fight through the injury. So it must be serious. But there's no word of where he is or what's going on or when he's going to be able to come back. And it's just like, is that the man to provide the challenge for Israel Adesanya? Because that is a, like, that is a fan favorite, most wanted fight. Like, we just want to see that kickboxing battle. So, can Till please just jump a few places in the rankings so they can just make that and get away with it? Like, they'll make fights that make sense, even if it doesn't make sense from a ranking standpoint, even though we're going to the rankings a lot here tonight, just for inspiration. You know the UFC will do whatever it wants, but Till in here at number nine needs to get a win, and there's a lot of hard fights there ahead of him. Um, he could beat Hermanson, he could beat Strickland. Costa's a big, big boy. To fucking point fight for three or five rounds. Like Darren Till does. That poses risks. But he's not... Darren Till's not scared of anybody either. So maybe... It's winnable, but it's a tough one. Pereira... Maybe. That could be very interesting, actually. If Adesanya dispatches Pereira easily... Would you love to see Darren Till take Pereira on the rebound from that? Bronson. Um, hasn't Till already fought him? Perhaps not. Vittori. Did Till fight Vittori? I think so. Edged out a victory? No. 
Could he beat Cannoneer? That would be a good test. Could he beat Whitaker? Uh, no, we couldn't. We learned that in a favour in classic, real classic Bobby Knuckles performance. But yeah, where is he? The man's great crack. Love to see it. You know, it's, I say there, it's like a point fighting style, but it's like very, very high level striking. You know, he's setting the traps, the games within the games, the flim flam, the parries, the feints. Love all that shit. And that is what all, that's what Israel Adesanya does. So would they, those two cancel each other out? It's one of the most fascinating questions in the sport right now. Paddy the body. If you're not on the Paddy the body hype train, we can't be friends. Yeah, look, it's wild in there. It's chaos when he's in there. He's going to get knocked out. It's going to go bad at some point. But until then, are you not enjoying it? Are you not feeling the energy radiating out of it? Like, the whole him and Molly Meatball McCann thing, Yanks don't understand it. They're like, oh, there's romantic vibes there. And it's like, no, they're just fucking top-notch mates, BFFs, and the love of the crack. Like, and what about um, Meatball Molly getting Joanna Georgiecek to have a bottle of Howlerhead whiskey in the do shots with as soon as she got out of the octagon? Like, you know, that type of crack goes a long way in the UFC, so... Um, long may it continue, and I think Paddy showed in his last fight, like, that unorthodox, wild grappling style can go places. I heard Luke Thomas say that you'd like to see him fight Drew Dober next, and it's like, holy fuck, yes, he has to fight big specimens like that, that are big, massive brutes that can knock the fuck out of him, but, like, he's gonna have to encounter that, like, look at the top of lightweight right now, like, you know, these are the type of people that he might have to fight on the downslope of their career as he's moving up towards the belt, if he moves up towards the belt. But I think about somebody like Chandler, you know? Anyway, big, big love to Paddy the Body and Meatball Molly. Love to see the crack. Long may it continue. Love to see him getting up to 200 pounds in between fights and people saying, oh, you're not going to hit the weight and then him mooning people and stuff. Bit of crack. What a hero. Has always been a hero since the Cage Warriors days. That walkout's always been iconic. The first time you saw that, you knew you were trying to tune in every single time afterwards. Even when he got beat by that Viking dude. Who I think it was later proved was badly on juice. So, don't need to worry about that. Um, Then, yeah, can we sit down for a minute and just be like, let's pick Conor McGregor's next fight? Like, what's the conventional wisdom right now? Masvidal is the conventional wisdom. Uh... McGregor himself has suggested Usman in your top five at lightweight here you've got Charles Oliver, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Islam Makachev, Michael Chandler. I mean the Chandler fight could make sense. Ferguson on a downslope of his career, Tony Ferguson at number 11 who's a place ahead of him in the rankings. Conor McGregor, Dan Hooker, that could be fireworks. Conor McGregor, Dan Hooker in that Marvel Stadium in Australia if all the restrictions were gone. Or of course obviously at Croke Park, that could be huge. Um, but does Dan Hooker do the kind of numbers that McGregor does? Do you know what I mean? Does that, does that occasion phase him? Did he fade because of the occasion against Chandler? I don't think so. I think Chandler just came out hard and fast. I don't know. Tough one. I don't think there is a, a great, obvious comeback fight for, uh, McGregor. Maybe Masvidal. I mean, Masvidal, it just it does feel like it makes sense, huh? And Max Holloway moved up to 155 pounds. A Volkanovski moved up to 155 pounds. Would you watch that? Charles Oliveira, I think. I mean, I think he could have a competitive fight against Charles Oliveira, but if he gets to the ground, then like it's just done. It's over. It's like, forget it. Right? Basically, that's the prevailing wisdom. 
I'm sure there's subtleties in there that like better MMA analysts than me could break down for you. But those are the issues we need to be looking at here. McGregor, Gaethje, I just don't know if that's competitive. Gaethje just destroys his legs and then McGregor's got nothing because of no movement. And McGregor might not have any movement coming back anyway because like of the nature of the injury that he had. Uh, Diego Ferreira must have got bounced out of top 15 at lightweight. He couldn't be too far down the way. I wonder who he lost to. Um, we'll have to look into that at some point. But yeah, I don't know what to do to pick Conor McGregor's next fight. You know, he's not fighting bankruptcy anytime soon. So let's just wait and see. Like, it needs to be a tune-up fight though, really, doesn't it? Like, a like for him, a tune-up fight, whatever that means, it needs to be. And we need to see how he can move about on this leg, especially now that there's a big piece of titanium in there, which he seems to think he can throw around like a weapon. But I'm just like... No, there's still a lot of you on the outside of that that can get damaged, so I'd be concerned about that, to be honest. Um, Heavyweight was just about to get interesting, so Aspinall Blades was about to go down, and then that got fucked up. You know, Gan to Ivasa, I think, is pretty much a foregone conclusion, and, um, you know, there was the talk of, obviously, John Jones moving up, but, like... Outside of that, like, we haven't seen Stipe Miocic come back. You know, I think Aspinall would have been angling for a fight there, certainly, if he'd won against Curtis Blades. And Aspinall, I think we thought, was the new evolution and maybe even a more refined version of what Cyril Gann's been bringing to the table. Um, interesting, interesting times. I thought it was about to be at heavyweight because Curtis Blades, I think, has every right to call for a title shot uh, with one more win for sure um but whether or not he gets it with the threat of john jones there they um it's tough heavyweight not a great scene right now bam bam Tuivasa out there but like what if Tuivasa beats the fuck out of cyril gan who wouldn't love to see that and then all the shoes popping off afterwards australia stand the fuck up aussie 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 oi 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 um, so yeah, heavyweight was just about to get interesting for the first time in a long time. There was no DC, there was no Derek Lewis, there was, there's like interesting fighters there like Aspinall and, um, Gan. So, and then again, don't forget at the top, we still got the Predator, Francis and Ganu. And then not to forget about them, women's straw weight is possibly the best division in the game right now. Apart from the fact that Carla Esparza is somehow freakishly the champ, like I didn't really notice her rise to get to a title shot, but, Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. So then we got Rose and Zhang Weilei at one and number two there. Uh, Zhang Weilei is getting the first crack at Carla Esparza, so we'll see how that goes. Marina Rodriguez, I think, is definitely due for a title shot now. Perhaps she'll have to fight Rose Namajunas to get that. Then Mackenzie Dern's in at number four. Wow, she's finally ascended up there. She is deserving of a title shot right there. She is Stonewall Gorgeous also, in my humble opinion. So that's good. I actually hadn't realised she'd risen up that far. That's great. She's been stringing them together. She's got a very dangerous jiu-jitsu game. Yan Zhao Nan is a Chinese striker, if I'm not mistaken. She's very talented. Jessica Andrade can never be counted out. Tisha Torres in there. Amanda Lemos. Amanda Ribas. Michelle Waterson's in there. Some really, really talented fighters here. And then what about... What is that young lady called... And she could come back at any time from a neck injury. Um, Tatiana Suarez. Wasn't she storming up the division? Wasn't she storming up the division a little while ago? 
and uh, had to take time off for neck injury. But I believe that she could make a comeback because I actually noticed down here, like, Verna Jandaroba is in at number 11, that girl that only has one eye. So I was sort of wondering what the hell happens here after, like, number 9. Um, but all, like, a lot of killers there. Rose Jong, Marina Rodriguez, Mackenzie Dern, Yan Chaonan, Dreska Andraj, Amanda Rebus. Like, it's just shitload of talent there. Ma Angela Hill seems to be on the riser. Lots and lots of talent to throw it, and great fights coming out of there as well. Finishes happening. Mad things happening in women's fighting. They're actually finishing each other these days. It's wild. Uh, but women's flyweight and bantamweight are not really, is my next point, uh, not really so stacked up. Would love to see some turnover there. There's nothing really so exciting going on at women's bantamweight there. Juliana Pena got the belt whipped back off her, so now we're back to business as usual over there. I wonder what they'll do next there. Perhaps they'll just book a trilogy for those two, as it was the only interesting thing to happen there in a while. But we'll see what's going on. Uh, who are the next title challengers at Women's Bantamweight? I have no idea. Yannis Kunitskaya, I don't think he'd keep it together long enough. Raquel Pennington, too old. Arena Aldana was doing so well, then got viciously KO'd, right? The Holly Holm head kicker or something? Holly Holm, I mean, retirement has to be on the horizon, right? What are we, 40, 41? No offence, obviously, I don't fight. Again, I'll give the same disclaimers. I could never do any of this. But, um... Yeah, Caitlin Vieira at number two. Yes, well, she is a decent fighter, but... Uh, well, then there was never holes in Amanda's game before. Although, did Juliana Pena really expose holes in Amanda's game, or did Amanda carry an injury into the fight? That's the that's the difficult thing. So what do we need to do here? I think we need to book... Right, well, that's what, that's, this is what we'll do. We'll, re, we'll book the rubber match, get something going there, and then uh, Caitlin Vieira gets the winner. She gets next go. And then I'm not quite sure if when I wrote down who's next at Bantamweight, if I meant women's or men's. So let's just err on the side of caution and do men's here also. Peter Yan, yes, entirely possibly. Dillashaw, I don't know if Dillashaw is going to beat Sterling. I would have told you so right up until D Sterling beat Yan in their rematch. But that really showed me something, so I don't know now. Jose Aldo, I think, is definitely a man that if he wins his fight against Marab Valishvili this weekend... And can shout for the next title shot. They'll do it for history's sake because they could sell the fuck out of that fight. And I think Jose could beat Sterling. I really fucking do. Jose doesn't get taken down. Look up the stats on Jose Aldo's takedowns, like or takedowns that have tried to be scored against him. But like you won't find it because it doesn't exist. He's got like a hundred percent takedown accuracy, like by the numbers. That's not me just being like, oh, he's got like a hundred percent. Like don't even worry about it. Like that is what the numbers say, bro. One hundred percent. That's not a small number. Not at all. And then, yeah, other organizations show us something. I don't know. PFL seems to be gaining a lot of ground. Bellator just seems to keep doing Bellator things and nobody's interested. Like this weekend, uh, Michael Van and Page is bare-knuckled boxing Mike Perry and nobody I know is talking about it or gives a fuck. Um, Bellator as an organization, what have they been doing? There's nothing. Is there like... Somebody beat Masasi for the belt, so now there's another champion in place you don't know the name of. Welterweight, what's going on there? Somebody you don't know when has the belt. Bantamweight, I think they had a tournament. Little Jimmy Gallagher had to get called out of it, so he's only down at number 11 right now, but... 
could get challenged for that belt any day now. So yeah, you know, like the feeder organizations are still great if you want to watch their highlights or even full cards. LFA and um, what's been another good one for the UFC? Fuck, I've exposed myself there. Um, well, Cage Warriors is usually pretty fucking good. But yeah, like anybody trying to compete directly with the UFC really isn't right now. So that's why we didn't really have much conversation about it there. I'm like, not really that concerned about acting like, oh no, there's good stuff all over. Like one, what the fuck is one championships doing? What is that? Their big arrival on US TV this month or Amazon Prime, whatever it is. It's like headlined by DJ and it's like, yeah, that was kind of cool a while ago. You know, let's see. I mean, a great fighter and let's see what happens, but hasn't he kind of been getting slapped around over there? And also, John Jones, I'm over it, but then there was a flurry of activity this week and then I realized maybe that I'm not over it and I'll never be over it because I feel like still like he's the best fighter of all time. So what can you do there? And just as a fan, that's certainly sometimes you just have to go with these things and that's it so there you go that's it that's pretty much my thoughts on fighting i need to also go back through and have like a detailed look and try and pick out some really good fights that i watched recently i'm trying to think what have been some good ones this year robbie lawler versus bam bam barbarina was a good one sorry i'm drawing a blank on it here folks i'm really sorry i'm gonna have to cut the recording in half here tonight because it's getting way too late and i just want to leave you with now what i'll do is i'm going to close this off and i'm going to come back and record wallop or watch some other time because it's so long this week. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve separate entries to get to. Get to it, we will. Don't stress it. This is still the best podcast recorded in a bedroom in South Vancouver. Down in, like, well, north of here, up in the downtown part of Vancouver on the downtown east side. There's tons of homeless encampments and they're out in the streets and there's tents all over the place now to shelter them for the sun. And there was a bit of controversy recently because an old hotel down there burnt down and they think that like junkies were like burning stuff in the back alleys. And so these notices got handed out to all of the homeless people. Where do you hear this? Attention, homeless. Tents and belongings on the sidewalks will be burned with gasoline and propane canisters. Residents that live in the area will not you to destroy our community any longer with your selfish. You have seven days to comply. This is a serious warning to the homeless in the area. Leave now or suffer the consequences of your selfish addiction. Insight, the safe injection site, will be the first building to be burned down in if the homeless and addicted human do not leave the area in the seven-day period. Last and final promise. So, like... It's the Batman villain Firestorm on the fucking loose? Or is that Firefly? Oh, did I just commit a faux pas? A nerd faux pas? Well, anyway, like... Still burning the homeless people down? That seems extreme. Tim Dillon's idea. Put him in a pot. That was that was a good one. I enjoyed that one. And I'll probably go and watch Tim's new comedy special on Netflix after this. Tim, I'm a big fan of Tim Dillon. But yeah, I will keep you posted on this story. Like, if they start to burn down innocent junkies in my city i will not stand for it like you know maybe there's a hero that vancouver deserves but i'm the one that's got right now so stick around and i'll take you on my cape and show you a thing called walloper watch they live in your community get the fuck out they comment on your posts <sighs> their parents feel them Fucking disgraceful. they are Wallopers. 
word with yourself. You are very welcome back to Punkadelic Podcast and Walloper Watch, the best segment in podcasting. It's the part of the show where we just have a good laugh at some of the idiotic things that we see around the internet. Um, got some clinkers this week. There's a lot to get through, so let's just get straight into it. Okay, so from Twitter, we've got a picture here of a girl with like outrageous proportions, like Photoshop proportions, massive tits. I mean, it's mental to be honest, but you can just tell this is a whole Photoshop thing. It's it's awful, but you know, if she was real, it'd be outstanding, but she's not, so everybody relax. But that's been posted on Twitter with the comment, how do you open? And like even that part is odious. The open, the pickup artist speak. It was like, look, it's 2022. Like I just, I don't know. I thought that was all over and done with. I really did. But anyway, then we get it. Like that's just in a random thread on Twitter. Like I have no idea who any of these players are. Like I never go looking for wallopers, but now I just, there's a couple of th- subreddits and just reliably, Every week or every two weeks to a month as it's taken to produce this fucking podcast these days. But whatever, like within that time period, they just organically, there's tons. Like I think I have Walloper Watches planned out for the next three or four episodes already. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I promise I'll get back on track in a second too. But there's also somehow we missed out on two Emma Beddington articles so far this year, uh, which is great news for the content of the show. Bad news for that lady because we're going to fucking rip the piss out of her again because she's awful and it just, I don't know, it's just something about it really bothers me and again, my podcast, fuck you. Did I do that whole speech? Was that this episode? Anyway, point being, so some guy responds to this picture of this hot bird in earnest and remember the question that the picture is posted with is how do you open so this is this guy rufus brant's big fucking plan walk up to her wearing nice perfume not middle school boy shit like axe i'm talking my dior sauvage perfume then in brackets when i buy it you know he's like hang on you know obviously you couldn't do this right away like any time to you know get a job earn money pay off my fucking bills and then when i'm able to afford dior sauvage uh, perfume as he calls it uh, he'll he'll be right in the hitting on birds this hot so anyway let's keep going here when i buy it in brackets fuck that's gold so hold on let me try and get through this all in walk up to her wearing nice perfume not middle school boy shit like axe I'm talking my Dior Sauvage perfume when I buy it. I approach her and ask her to sniff my neck. (laughs) Oh, fuck. She likes the smell. And I tell her I like her boobs. (laughs) She calls me to her room. And you can assume the rest. Smiley face. And it's just like, we'll assume fucking nothing until you buy that fucking aftershave, you absolute balloon. (laughs) Like, the internet just enabled all sorts of fucking hot air like this, this fucking 
I don't know, like there's no value in it whatsoever. Oh, what a walloper. When I buy it, that is fucking gold. Man's got a plan. That man has got a plan. All right, so that's the first walloper of the day. So second here is uh, Facebook status, all caps, absolutely all caps. So it's one of those. All of impossible meats processing plants are adjacent to a major Planned Parenthood abortion center and a FedEx distribution center. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Watch for impossible burgers to be now only available in states where abortion is still legal. Yes, I said that. So it's like, Jesus, did we just find Eric Cartman's fucking Facebook? Because wasn't that the whole plot of that South Park episode where um Cartman's uh Cartman comes into possession of like thirty-two primo aborted fetuses and he's trying to sell them to for IVF clinics and like none of them are having it because it gets something gets banned because Christopher Reeve is running around eating the fetuses to gain the Superman powers back and uh, then after two unsuccessful attempts to sell the fetuses to an IVF clinic Cartman's just on the phone (laughs) being like yeah that's right I got 33 primo shrimp here (laughs) trying to sell them to a restaurant (laughs) fucking gold I didn't do that any justice but just have to take my word for it that there was a funny bit in South Park about 15 years ago. Uh, moving right along. So, like, what is the whole... Uh, moving right along, my whole... Hang on here. So, so Impossible Burgers are made out of aborted babies. You know, is that a goer of a business idea? Right? If that's not true, could we explore whether or not that could become true because you know it's possible that that's delicious and none of us will ever know we'll just go to our graves being thinking that we're the superior ones but you know we could get out there get this tried out maybe maybe that's maybe that's a way to settle this whole thing once and for all okay it's like can we have like yes abortions but the product is burgers the byproduct is burgers you know that might just fix everything because America definitely not all about abortion, but definitely 400% in with all three balls about burgers. Fuck, I think I cracked something here. Finally, this podcast starts to do some societal good. Okay, well, they're, you know. We'll handle the ideation. We're going to leave the execution of that to somebody else. But there you go. So this person's name was scribbled out of this whenever I found it. So that was probably um, or slash insane people Facebook, uh, which is just like a gold mine for this sort of thing. So funny. Such a fucking bunch of idiots. All right, here we go. So here is a great subsection of walloping uh, what we call this billionaire brown nosing. Like, you know. Elon Musk ain't gonna suck your dick, bro. Alright? As much as you want that to happen, and as much as you don't even realise that that's what you want to happen. Or, you know, maybe you want to suck him, like, maybe you want to be the subservient one, but trust me, something sexual is going on in this man's mind. Alright? There is a... Definitely, he's revealed something unconscious to himself here. 
Where do you hear this? So Elon Musk tweets, haven't even had sex in ages. And then in brackets, sigh. So just Elon Musk being Elon Musk, okay? I don't know. I'm, I, I really don't care. I don't really care for him, to be honest. Uh, I've had to turn off both Joe Rogan episodes he was on because his whole, oh, let me stop and buffer and process that whole question is infuriating listening. I keep thinking that, you know, the podcast is skipping and I was just like, no, I'll tell you what it is. Musky Musk, get the fuck out of here. So anyway, Elon Musk haven't even had sex in ages. And then, here we go. Oh, it's actually explicitly sexual. I forgot about this. <laughs> Class. There was me thinking I was reading into that tweet, but I actually just didn't remember what it was. So Elon Musk haven't even had sex in ages. And then some guy somewhere. Bullshit, bro. I'm happily married with an amazing wife. Even she understands if I helped you out, she would even be proud of me. Even if I myself would feel like shit. LOL. That's like hell for me, but I would do it. LOL. So it's just like, you know, I would suck Elon Musk off, but I'm not a faggot. (laughs) Which I think is essentially the logic of this part here lol that's like hell for me but i would do it and i think that's i mean i think you know slurs notwithstanding i think i summed that up pretty fucking well bullshit bro (laughs) bro you know musk's not your bro he's a billionaire he's nobody's bro we need to lynch the whole fucking lot of them she would even be proud of me is another line that we have to really really consider here it's just like this guy thinks that he could take elon musk to completion and his wife would be like fucking class like get in here big man now (laughs) now that you've taken care of elon musk i'm gonna take care of you so is that what's going on oh well is this is this a sexless marriage and then this guy's like fuck maybe maybe if i tweet elon musk even if I just offer to do it, you know, because it's unlikely he's going to give back to me. But if the wife sees that much, you know, maybe that'll get her motor running again. Fuck, I don't know. But wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall in that house? There's like, there's a reality show there, almost undoubtedly a nine-part series for Channel 4. Walloper. Okay, so moving to the next one. This is... Uh, Oh, this is probably from or slash cringe pics. Dude, how people sum themselves up sometimes is just absolutely bananas. And although it's not something I'm overly exposed to, the world of male dating profiles is a rich fucking vein of crack for that sort of thing. So let's check out this guy. So as I say, I took this from Reddit, so all of his personal details are all unfortunately cancelled out. But this was Tinder, just in case you want to try and go and find this diamond in the rough. Um, here we go. Semi-retired security director. You don't care about me. The feeling is mutual. If I could time travel, I'd make sure you were aborted so you could never terrorize even a single man's heart. Love is dead forever and so is your soul. You slowers don't know what a real man is and it shows. Remove yourself from the equation quickly and expediently by any means necessary. Be your own reason for deleting Tinder forever 
and delete yourself forever while you're at it. Nothing but a sad excuse for females on this. All y'all. So, there you go, ladies. This guy is putting you all on blast. Uh, you slowers don't know what a real man is, and it shows uh, you guys all. So, like, this is directed. You don't care about me. Strong start. I'm intrigued. I want to read the rest. But he definitely loses me around the third sentence here. If I could time travel, I'd make sure you were aborted so you could never terrorize even a single man's heart. Seems like that line's directed at one woman in particular. Uh, Love is dead forever and so is your soul. Are those song lyrics? Um, You slowers don't know what a real man is and it shows. That is fucking great. And delete yourself forever while you're at it. So this guy's encouraging suicide. That's a solid dating profile. Like, that is going to be getting tons of fucking matches, you know. You slowers don't know what a real man is. And it shows. What's a slower? I Like, am, am I going nuts? Or was a slower mentioned in the original Ghostbusters? Look it up. Look it up, folks. There you go. So, there we go. That's this guy's. That's this guy's opening gambit on Tinder. He's also a Sagittarius and a non-smoker. Okay, what have we got here now from Facebook? This, 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 a thousand times over. And that's a picture of some sort of women's group. All the faces are blurred out. Must have got this one from Reddit. And then one of those dumb photos women take of all their shoes put together in a circle. Oh, okay, here we go. This is good stuff now. This, this is good podcast content. In our ladies' Bible study, I asked all the women to bring a pair of their husband's shoes to class. When they got there, I asked them to put them on, crying laughing face. We spent the rest of the evening wearing shoes that were in most cases way too big for us. We were stumbling around and tripping over them and they definitely were not comfortable. It was really quite comical, howling laughing face. We quickly realised that our husband's shoes are way too big for us. They are meant for our husband's feet, not ours. So why do we insist on wearing them? I for one don't want his job or his responsibilities. There is no way I could handle the physical or mental stress he deals with. And wearing his big old dirty boots was a really good reminder of Their shoes aren't meant to fit us. The load they have to carry is heavy. They are responsible for our family in ways that we will never truly understand. So let's stop trying to wear our husband's shoes. Instead, let's pray for them, encourage them, and let them be the men God has called them to be and created them to be. Hashtag, God's way is the best way. Hashtag, marriage goals. And I'm just like, give all those men their shoes back right now. Like, that is absolutely enough. All of these Bible women need to be back in the kitchen right now. And I, I'm not saying all women, but these ones in particular have escaped from the kitchen. And I will not be happy until they're all ensconced back in there. I'm going to throw something crazy out here and suggest that that probably happened in the good old US of A. 
or Mexico, as I call it, from up here on my fucking high horse in Canada. Hi, <laughs> being the operative word. Uh, let's go moving on here. Big shout out to whoever it was that turned in 62 3D printed guns for $150 each at a Houston gun buyback. And then it's just a picture of a box of 62 3D printed guns. And it's just like, so you're telling me a guy just happened to have a box of 62 3D printed guns and just decided that he was going to give all of those up. So went to the bother of purchasing or printing those himself. This is the official logic here. And then decided that he doesn't need these these weapons of war. You know, it's like he's ready for the peaceful life. He's about to renounce everything that he stands for and trade them all in for 150 each. So what's 62 by 150? I'm not going to the calculator away from my notes. That's just a surefire way for this show to get completely derailed. But you know what I mean? Like 60 by 100, that's 60, 100, 6 grand. So let's say this game made about 15 grand here. I don't know. That probably checks out. Um, But realistically, this guy's probably just printing all these guns constantly and has basically unlocked infinite money cheat for himself so anytime the government has this on he'll just print as many as he can stroll up and be like okay let's go you know i've got 72 here this time you know sometimes you maybe only get like 48 or so and then that's just it that's genius that is a cheat code for life and you know fuck i don't know so-called ghost guns Blah, blah. I mean, some are bright green. That's kind of cool. But, seems like somebody somewhere along the line could have asked a few more questions. Alright, moving on here. Back to one of our favourite subsets of walloping that there are. EDC wallopers. These guys that talk about everyday carry like it's a real thing or a cool thing to be involved in and they just post pictures to reddit all the time of the things they carry around with them every day so here we go 35 male return to work it's sunglasses a watch a pen airpods a nintendo ds jessica jones alias some volume of that post-it notes and a nintendo switch i want to say another game system so this man Returning to work at age 35 needs two games consoles, two handheld games consoles, and a comic book. To get into podcasts, I'm begging you. Punkadelic podcast, you only need to bring your phone. <sighs> There's no helping people, some people, though. Alright, let's see what's going on here. This is a Facebook comment. My girlfriend had her three children so opted to have her two. Oh, excuse me, read that all wrong. My girlfriend had her three children, so opted to have her tubes tied. I spoke with her doctor and he said, I personally cut one each of each tube away, cauterized the ends and tied each end in a knot. Eleven years later, she gave birth to my wonderful son. When he was five, we were telling him what a miracle he is. His response was not really. I remember I had to go through loops and wiggle my way around. It was very hard for me to get here. I said, are you talking about being born? He said, nope. 
The tube was very hard to get through, but I knew I had to get somewhere, so I fought hard and found my way. To this day, he remembers. Thank God for giving him the strength to fight. By the way, the doctor said cutting your tubes is only good for 10 years and then not 100% anymore. Did your heart just skip a beat? LOL. Mine sure did. Like, people, there is no level that people will not stoop to to get attention. So this guy's saying that the son remembers being a sperm. Which has no sensory organs and therefore would not have been able to experience that at a scientific level. I think that was more about the Facebook comment there than anything else, so... But I wonder, is this like a real thing at the end? By the way, the doctor said cutting your tubes is only good for 10 years and then not 100% anymore. Is that true, ladies? If you're getting your tubes tied, it's only good for 10 years? That seems fucked up. I don't know a lot about it, I will admit. Did your heart just skip a beat? LOL. Mine sure did. No, dude. No. Here's a headline. House of the Dragon is about... The Patriarchy's Perception of Women, exclusive image, and that's by Empire Online, and I just was like, listen, that show better also be about fucking dragons. Do you understand me? Alright, now episode one is out, and it's got a certain female focus. The Patriarchy's Perception of Women. Well, we know that's not good in Westeros. We know that's not good on Earth right now. So, hopefully they'll have something interesting to say about it, and they'll use dragons to make the point. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> From Craigslist. Dury Farmhand. Slash filming. Oh, this is a belter. Looking for a part-time or full-time farmhand. One to two people. Duties would include milking, scraping, barn, clean of manure, barn maintenance, and a few other miscellaneous tasks. Milking in a step-up parlour and time is at 6am in the morning and nights and lasts about 4-5 to five hours. Pay starting at $20 per hour. Willing to work with schedule. We also ask you of proper workwear for working here, which always includes wearing rubber boots, non-insulated bibs slash coveralls for summer, such as other tech, and bib snow pants for fall and winter or any time the temperatures fall below 50 Fahrenheit. Lights, colours as well as such as light blue, pink, purple, orange, etc. Reimbursement after a select period of time for workwear. We are also looking for a couple to film videos together in the barn. Videos include BDSM style videos in the barn with slash around manure and pay from $500 to 1k per video session, 2 to 3 hours. Ideal candidate would do morning chores and barn maintenance and then proceed to film afterwards. We fit it in on the non-busier days about two to three times a week. We supply everything for filming and clean up afterward. Call or text for more information. Must be 18 or older and please read full ad so all information is clear. Now, if you don't think that the placement and the in-context nature of the line here. Please read full ad so all information is clear. It's not the funniest fucking thing that you've heard this week. And I don't know what to do with you. But here, what I really like about this also is um, 
we supply everything for filming and clean up afterward. Yeah, because the person has to do it themselves. <laughs> They're the born hand in the morning. So, like, I do think it's genius. It's like, you know, who's going to be the most invested in getting that barn to be clean of shit where it needs to be clean of shit? Because these are shit porn videos. Don't forget. Dan, some lady who's going to be, you know, hanging out there on the ground, on her back, spread eagled, basically a magnet for bacteria of God knows what kind. And let's see what else was worth picking out from this one here. So it's BDSM style videos in the barn with slash around manure. So probably they're like, hmm, maybe some people won't want to like have to handle or eat, God forbid, or God knows what else. Shit. So maybe we can convince them to come in and do everything else. If we give them the one concession that the videos will be around shit. You don't have to eat the shit. We don't have to shove the shit up you and then have him fuck the shit. Just, it, it'll be around. We'll put all the shit all around you. A big three foot high pile of shit round you like a horseshoe daughter. And then we're going to have one of the horses probably hanging out in the corner just making fresh manure as well. And then, you know, some, you know, your uh, your your husband here can come in and plow you around all the shit and then you know we're gonna video that we're gonna make the loot off that but you know here's five hundred dollars to 1k for your two to three hours here you know that's a better hourly rate than i get here in canada so you know whoever wrote this advert is quite clearly a businessman and that is all i have to say about it okay here we go from twitter three photos First photo, a bunch of bottles. Second photo, pregnant lady. Third photo, positive pregnancy test. So those are the three photos. Bunch of bottles of stuff. Pregnant lady, positive pregnancy test. Here's what the tweet says. I've got a special running for $9.99. Get you a bottle of piss to help trap your dude into thinking you're pregnant. Yes, that's right, folks. The bottles were full of piss. I kept that piece of information for you to make it a more compelling story. What do you think about that? This podcast is fucking going places. So this lady's trying to sell positive pregnancy piss so that women can lay the honey trap. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'm scared now. And I also feel like maybe her and the guy looking for a farmhand might be able to do some business together. Maybe her and the farm hand and the lady with the great idea about the fetus burgers could get together and I'm not certain, but you are damn sure that's a podcast I'd listen to. That could be a limited series, four episodes, chaired by like Dermot O'Leary or something, get them to sit down, see what they can hash out, ask them the big questions. What's life about? Were there any positives from slavery? What's going on around here? And, you know, those three people probably have as good a chance of answering any of those things as anybody else. So there we go. So last but not least, certainly not least, here on Wallet for Watch for this episode, we've got a picture of a guy in, what's his get up here? It looks like a Debenhams uniform. So black shirt, tie, belt, 
and then he's wearing like a baseball jacket over that, holding his crap phone. He's in a terrible looking bathroom, like it's awful, it's cramped, shit everywhere. I don't even know what that is on the wall. Um, his face, like he's got one eye closed, one eye open. Uh, it's not a smile, it's a grimace, but it, you know he intends it to be a smile. Like it's awful. It's a truly awful picture. And this is the caption that he's posted it to Facebook with. I swear when I dress up, girls get wet and ovaries explode. I walked into a restaurant today and all the women stirred and their jaws dropped and I was so uncomfortable. I was just like, ooh, um, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm scared, sad face. I'm scared to dress up now, sad crying face. I just think that if you were to show me a photo in this mirror in six weeks time and what I could see was simply his feet dangling into the top of the frame, I'd completely understand it because this guy is obviously getting so much ass that, you know, people just can't see him as a person anymore. He feels like a piece of meat and that's not cool, ladies. So I don't know what you're going to do with with that guy. And also our, our friend from Twitter earlier, what are women out here doing? Sort it out. And those Bible bitches, less of it. Fucking less of it. Um, I also wanted to take a very brief moment just to check in here. I know that this was ostensibly an MMA episode, so just to say that I'm not sure I mentioned Cheeto Vera's head kick knockout of Dominic Cruz was sublime and he will fight for the belt someday and probably win it. Been enjoying his career for a while now. He just seems to constantly improve and it was incredible. And then Leon fucking Rocky fucking Edwards headshot. Bang, pound for pound, what? That was a post-fight speech for the fucking ages. It was from the heart. There was stutters, there was skips, but it was it was perfect. It, was an, it wasn't even a speech. It was an outpouring of a lifetime of fucking just horrible luck and repression and systemic fucking stuff to be overcome. And dude, my, this is it. Like, this is the metric, right? My heart hasn't beat during a fight like that in, a, in the longest time. Like, I, I can't, well, probably earlier this year, I get myself worked up over the fights, if you can't tell. I think it's awesome. But, um, dude, I had to just sit here with my arms up for like 10 minutes. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm like, if you watched it in context, losing those three rounds after doing so well, looking so dejected, commentators just writing his obituary, as Cormier was saying, everyone just thinking it's over last minute. Picture perfect headshot, head kick, knockout. Also going to be knockout of the year. Sorry, Molly McCann, but you know a spinning back fist is is a fun time. But on a nothing flyweight, with on a nothing women's flyweight. No offense, no offense. Take my meaning. Also, versus Leon Edwards doing that in deep, deep in enemy territory against what was believed to be the pound-for-pound pound best on his way to breaking Anderson Silva records and then GSP records after that. Taken down, taken out, no ground and pound needed, absolutely zero follow-up. It was amazing. If you don't watch the fights, Google Leon Edwards and watch any of the little documentaries that are out there right now about it. You will be stunned. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy either, I don't think, by all accounts, and... God damn, it was a great card the other night. Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold was insanity. Rockhold obviously got the shit kicked out of him, but came out and said he rubbed his blood all over his face that time because he felt like he was in there with a lesser man. And it's just like, 
But if that lesser man beat you, beat the shit out of you, you couldn't even breathe after the end of round one. So it's just Luke Rocco logic, just, you know, he's still himself. He, he didn't get his brain rattled that hard. So he's still himself, and Paulo Costa moves on, but he looked brutal. Let's just, dude, can we just agree, let's never have a fucking UFC event at altitude ever again, because nobody ever looks good except Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson done half killed Ordier. You know, I had to pick up the phone and dial 99 when I was watching that fight, just so I could be ready, because I was for sure I was witnessing a hate crime. Latino on Latino hate crime nonetheless, but... Point being, apart from that, that's a great fight. Go back and well, it's not a great fight, but it's a great performance. One of those great singular performances, an absolute trouncing. Tony Ferguson, ODA from two thousand sixteen, I want to say. Um, but yeah, let's never have an event at altitude ever again. Let's get Leon versus Kamaru three booked for Wembley Stadium. That would be crack fucking value. Uh, shout out to Usyk for winning his fight. Shout out to Mike fucking Perry for beating the shit out of. Uh, Michael Venom Page in Bare Knuckle Boxing, although, honestly, I watched the whole fight and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know who's winning this. <laughs> it's not great, but Mike Perry is well, well built for that sport. The dirty boxing elements, you know, it keeps him in there. It lets him hang. So, it was a fun event. I watched all, I think, of the card and some crazy knockdowns and outs in Bare Knuckle, as always. So, that's the wrap-up on MMA. Um for this episode you know we'll probably get back to it in a few months time or maybe before ufc 280 uh, also 281 at madison square gardens is starting to take shape now looking heavily like dustin poirier versus michael chandler is going to be on the card what a delicious little fight for the fucking the, the, the you know the the violence weight title that's like an unspoken belt where it's just like you hear about a fight that gets announced and it's just like oh they're going to pull the heads of each other. There is, like, they're both going to come out of this looking like they've been dragged backwards through a brush. Like, so, you know, we're talking about Poirier would be fighting for that belt sometimes. Poirier Alvarez would count. Uh, Connor would fight for that sometimes. Justin Gaethje would be involved in fighting for that. Michael Chandler certainly would. Oliver is too slick to really be truly around this, although he knocks people dead too. Um, Masvidal, sort of, yeah, so sort of like the unspoken, most violent man in the UFC, but Poirier Chandler, I think. I like Poirier with the patience to do it. Chandler's made some bad decisions in the UFC. Didn't look fantastic for the last two rounds against Gaethje, in my opinion, I thought. Um, But there you go, that's it. MMA rounded up for a little while. Glad to do that. What a fucking crazy sport. Leon Edwards, head kick, knockout on Kamaru Usman. You could not have written it any better. That dude's life just became a fucking movie. So there it is. That's it and that's that. Stay black, everybody. Peace, love, punkadelic.